Greetings, Earthlings, and welcome to Are You For Real? My name is Tom, and with me as always is Grant. Hello, everybody. Our dear fans, how are you guys doing today? Hope y'all are well. It is Monday, September 7th, and we are recording this in the midst of a massive heat wave here in San Diego, California. It is very sweaty outside, lots of fires burning. Hope all of you guys are doing well. This, uh, God, this year has been a doozy. Um, lots of fires here in California. Um, the air quality is very poor. Uh, coronavirus is still uh, wrecking uh, our country in the economy right now. So, uh, again, hope you all are doing well. Grant, how you doing, man? Well, there's a new Bill and Ted movie out this year, though. So that's true. Got to got to count your blessings, man. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, I'm doing good. Sleepy, a little sleepy, a little hot. It's definitely been hot lately. <laughs> um, God. Hopefully, no one can hear this fan I got in the background because otherwise, I would just be pouring sweat. Yeah, I got a fan on here too, man. There's no other way to do it. Uh, the AC in my house is working, but uh, not in this particular region, unfortunately, where uh, where I record. So uh, bear with me if I somehow sweat through the microphone here, guys. <laughs> you guys don't have a uh, an air conditioner in your dungeon, or no? Alas, we do not. Yeah. Uh, Maybe someday in the future, and you know, with the new job I got right now, uh, it will be financially in the cards at some point. But yeah, just uh, the the heat and the new job and everything taking taking a bit of a toll on old Tom here. But uh, I can't really complain. <laughs> yeah, I've been uh, I'm in the same boat. I can't really complain either. But yeah, I feel like I am accomplishing nothing <laughs> besides <laughs> besides making a paycheck. So that's good, you know. Yeah. Yeah, we took a. For those of you who haven't listened to us before, uh, you know, I uh, took a took a bit of a financial hit earlier this year. Got laid off, but uh, back in the game and uh, working for a new firm, and I'm I'm very happy right now. But it's uh, quite quite taxing emotionally and uh, just uh, on the time. Hard to dedicate time to the the podcast and family and uh, just. I need some Tom time every now and then too. So quite a bit of that. Yeah. I don't know if it's, if it's picking it up for the listener too, but I think I am getting a little bit of that fan on you. Oh, you are. Okay. Yeah. Move it over here. We can't. We're, we're Skyping it as usual during these pandemic times. I guess we might've had more episodes on Skype now than we have. Uh, yeah. Skype, but uh, I'm not I, sure about that, but uh, it feels like it. Well, you know, as the weather gets cooler, I'll bet we could, um, <clears throat> excuse me, um, we could maybe set up in my backyard somehow um, one of these days. I think that would be um, reasonably safe to do. We could we could uh, separate ourselves. And since it's outdoors, uh, I think the, the risk would be fairly low. Cause, yeah, I've been champing at the bit to just, you know, sit in the same room yeah. with you and, uh, you know, chat. Right chat like the good old times man so maybe we could do it in two different rooms and just have the microphones going under the doors <laughs> yeah. and I, I could sit out in your in your hallway or something right or like a get like the what is that that game of telephone where uh you get a string and then they get two cups on either end of the string and you know 
<laughs> super janky setup but hey yeah well i think that's what we're doing with skype basically but uh yeah anyway my yeah my point is that we can't really hear our own our own voices on there so that's why we've had some uh some technical difficulties on the skype front here because i can't i can't hear how it's doing and you know yeah um but again uh, as always uh, much appreciated for for tuning in every every time we release an episode guys i know it's been um uh it's been unpredictable as far as us releasing an episode we our original plan and we were really good at it was um you know release an episode every single week and we had time and we had um uh you know the the means to do it but it's just uh my personal life has changed quite a bit uh grants grants has too and uh it's just uh it's just difficult to be consistent um during these unprecedented, unpresidential, unperturbed, unpasteurized times. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll say. So, do you think we're going to be more like a bi weekly show now? Or, um, I think that's a safe. I mean, I don't want to get anybody's hopes up. Um, yeah. just because I don't want to, I don't want to say, hey, we're, you know, we're going to get back into the weekly thing uh, until I'm absolutely sure that I'll have time to do it. So um, uh, I think it's probably I think every couple weeks is a is a safe assumption for you guys. And again, we really appreciate all all y'all liking and uh, subscribing and leaving us comments and sending us emails. We really love the emails, guys. We've been getting quite a few lately, guys. Yeah. and guests. So um, thank you. Thank you for your kind words of support. And um yeah, obviously we we would prefer to keep the uh, the episode flow consistent and just have one every week, but we don't want the quality or the quote unquote quality to drop right. too much. So depends on uh, your definition of quality, people. Uh, right. <laughs> that being said, here goes the episode we have for you today. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh wait, uh, uh, okay, now I'm getting something from yours, your microphone, Grant. It might I don't is know. If, is wait. it cutting out? Again? It's kind of making yeah, this. Sure. Okay, it's making like a little bit of a noise. It's UFO news. That's right. Well, um, hot off the presses here today. It's it's actually not uh, not too big of a, a UFO news segment here, but I thought it might be interesting to talk about here to discuss. And um, I actually, yeah, I I saw this the other day, and then I I got an email from a listener soon after suggesting it as well so i want to thank you um but um it's basically it's a an episode in the guardian it's not really news it's more of like a think piece right um it's called are aliens hiding in plain sight question mark and um this is written by philip ball which for some reason this guy seems familiar to me i don't know why i think i i must have seen him somewhere in our research or something but um yeah, well, this I'm came sure out he's on having a, a ball wherever he is. Oh yeah, sure. <laughs> um, <laughs> why wouldn't he be? Um, but yeah, on, uh, this came out on Saturday the fifth, September fifth, and um, it's basically kind of a think piece about, you know, we're about how, you know, NASA is definitely sending missions out to try and find life on other planets, mostly Mars at this point and then going moving on to Europa and um Saturn's moon Titan they mention as well. Mm. And um 
But it kind of gets into the problem of we only have one example of life, and that is terrestrial life. So true. there's kind of a, a problem where it's kind of theoretical how we define life. And um, we do have a few different ideas about that, which the article gets into. Um, obviously, if it's, if it's going to be um, like a chemical-based life, let me, let me see here. Yeah, I, I think that um, <clears throat> I, I remember it's been it's been years since I've taken a biology class, but I remember my biology teacher uh, explaining in in ninth grade that viruses uh, we don't people are kind of on the fence as to whether they're actually alive or not. Uh, right, they, they, they have they like they don't necessarily meet the the definition that we use for life. Yeah, right. They replicate. Um, uh, <laughs> this is how tired I am. I can't even think of like the, the proper definition of life. Uh, but there, they don't, there is some aspect of a virus that, uh, I mean, as opposed to like a bacteria or, um, other forms of microscopic quote unquote life, I guess viruses, uh, are right on the fringe of, of, you know, like they're, they're not, they're, they're definitely not sentient. I mean, there's, there's no question about that, but, um, right. Anyway, well, it it actually mentions that um, that viruses don't fit into many definitions oh, of life as well. Hey. In the article, That's um, but but directly from the article, it says, "quote uh, NASA's unofficial working definition is a self-sustaining chemical system capable of Darwinian evolution." And um, it goes on to say NASA needs a definition of life so it knows how to build detectors and what kinds of instruments to use on its missions, says zoologist Eric Kirschenbaum of the University of Cambridge. But not everyone thinks it is using the right one. And um, let's see, but it, it kind of gets into more broad ideas and stuff. But do you how would how would you define life, Tom? Do you know? Um, uh, resident that, biologist. <laughs> uh, he, he's, he's giving me far too much credit. I have almost zero training in biology. Like I said, I think the last class I took was in ninth grade. Um, I just know that they're capable of reproducing, uh, any, something that's alive is, is capable of reproducing. It, uh, consumes energy. Uh, and, um, I, I don't, I don't know, man. That's a, it's such a it's such a basic question, yet such a difficult one to answer. Right. Um, because you know, obviously, plants are alive. They they're capable of reproducing through seeds, and they uh, get energy from photosynthesis. Most of them, anyway. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I know I'm missing some other crucial <laughs> crucial aspect of life, but. Uh, how about you, Grant? What, what's your definition of life? Um, I'm not sure. Yeah, I guess it would come down to the same thing. Something like a self-sustaining, um, I want to say organism, but like a unit, I guess, or collection of units that um, works together in order to uh, maintain itself in an environment, I guess. And um, Damn, yeah, I bravo. Guess, I I guess wow. I would need to uh, have some kind of way to generate energy and reproduce itself. I mean, reproduction would go into life, um, at least here on Earth. I don't know. It is confusing. I don't even know much about, like, molds or slimes or anything like that, you know? Um, 
I don't know if I would if I saw them in real life, I probably wouldn't identify them as life, you know. Or would I don't know. Even if be, I don't know. I if guess what I go ahead. What I consider life on the the macrobiologic level, I guess, is that things that like grow and change throughout a life cycle and before they stop yeah. working, you know. Okay. But, um, yeah, that makes that that kind of makes sense. Uh, and I I think viruses. Uh, but then by that definition, like a mountain would be alive, right? Because it'll grow and change, you know? So well, it doesn't, maybe not. Uh, well, it doesn't – I don't think it's like a, an actual organism. It's made up of multiple different organisms. I mean, so are we. We're humans. Are, right. oh, sorry, I'm having – my cat's having a freak out here. Uh, i got to let the cat out. But, um, yeah, I think there's uh, uh, a lot of wiggle room uh, in terms of – uh, definitions of life. It's such a uh, difficult concept to pin down. Um, well, um, there are some astrobiologists, getting back to the article, that think our view is too parochial. Or parochial. Um, we only know of one kind of life, the terrestrial sort. All living things on Earth are made from cells adapted to a watery environment using molecular machinery built from proteins and encoded as genes and DNA. Few scientists think that extraterrestrial life, if it exists at all, would rely on the same chemicals. Quote, it would be wrong to assume that our familiar biochemistry is what we're going to find on other planets, says Kirschenbaum. Titan's surface, for example, is too cold for liquid water, but the... Huygens, <laughs> Huygens, Huygens. Mission yeah, Huygens. Uh, revealed lakes of another kind made from hydrocarbons like those in petrol, mainly methane and ethane. And um, but he, but then again, Rothschild, and this is something I've heard before too, thinks the universal rules of chemistry narrow some of the options. Uh, quote: I have difficulty imagining another life form that is not based on carbon. She says so. It makes sense to design life-seeking planetary missions with that in mind. Water too has a ton of advantages as life solvent. Even if there were interesting chemical reactions happening in the methane lakes of Titan, they would be slowed down greatly by the frigid temperatures. Could life proceed at such a glacial pace? Planetary scientist Stuart Bartlett of the California Institute of Technology in Pasadena is keeping an open mind. There could be organisms floating in Titan's atmosphere that essentially drink petrol to sustain themselves, he says. I mean, Lord knows we've, Lord knows we've all been there. I mean, I've, <laughs> right. I've, been down, I've been down and out a few times where I've uh, been down to my last nickel and I've had to get a little Dixie cup and fill it up full of petrol. And that's the only thing that kept me going. But. Right. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say that sounds like a dig, like a a racial slur or something about aliens. But um, another um, so it has long been thought that any entities that warrant being called alive share attributes that don't depend on their precise chemical composition. It's frustratingly difficult, however, to say just what those general qualities are. Living systems, even bacteria, are extremely complex, maintained by information that passes, in our case via genes, between generations and creates organization. But that's not the cold, dead order of crystals, where atoms are stacked in regular patterns. It's more like the dynamic order of a city or a cloud formation, which scientists say is out of equilibrium. It is constantly fed with energy and doesn't settle into a static state. Hmm. Okay. But then, yeah, I, I don't know, but then wouldn't a computer be considered 
kind of the same thing since energy is going in and out of it, or maybe that's more of an organized way. But well, I think that I I can I can see people making a case for it, but um, uh, at this time anyway, computers are entirely reliant upon us providing them with that energy. They're incapable of harnessing that energy themselves at this point, as far as I know. Um, but, uh, yeah. And this, this all reminds me of, um, I've probably mentioned it before, just the original cosmos series with Carl Sagan, where he speculates about what alien life might look like. And, um, he's talking about how carbon is just, um, again, my, my understanding of chemistry is limited at best, but I guess carbon is an almost ideal, uh, element for life because it it can bond with so many different things um and it's it's very suited so it seems like well it might not be an absolute requirement that all life forms be carbon-based uh it seems like as far as we know the most convenient way for it to happen so I, i don't think it's unreasonable to think that um other alien for alien life forms would be carbon based. Um, but I, you know, there's, I don't think there's any, any kind of requirement for that. And there's certainly no guarantee that they would resemble us or, um, anything on earth. Um, right. I I, I think think it would depend on their environment. A lot from what I, I understood too, this probably comes from cosmos as well, but, um, yeah, how carbon is like, the best kind of chemical building block to to make stuff plus it's so plentiful in the universe um because right. you know a lot of elements are much more rare but hydrogen is obviously the the simplest and most most plentiful and then i think oxygen is pretty plentiful as well so that makes sense that water would be another building block since it's so useful for chemicals and making solutions and um has interesting chemical properties as well you know and it's going to be a lot a lot more plentiful in the in the world than than methane or ethane or anything, from what well, I understand. I, yeah, basic understanding, you know. I hope it's um, more plentiful than methamphetamine too. We got a lot of methamphetamine down here in Southern California, and uh, that's some nasty stuff. If there were, there's a lot of methamphetamine-based life forms out here in in SoCal. <laughs> so. Yeah. Uh, methamphetamine-based life forms are uh, unpleasant and uh, highly dangerous and uh, unstable. <laughs> so, that would be pretty – yeah, that would be crazy if some advanced civilization shows up with advanced technology and they're all methed out the whole time. Oh, that would be a but, total uh, meth, man. That would be a complete and utter meth. I don't know how we would deal yeah. with that. <laughs> it would be tough negotiations, that's for sure. Oh, God. Uh, what but, are you guys um, here? <laughs> I don't want to spend too much longer on this, but um, they get into another interesting philosophical uh, bit at the end here. So Bartlett, working with astrobiologist Michael Wong of the University of Washington in Seattle, argues that we need to escape the straitjacket of Earth-based thinking about life. They propose introducing a broader category called LOIF, pronounced in an oddly West Country fashion as LOIF. It's spelled L-Y-F-E, of which life as we know it is just one variation. No, of which life as we know it is just one variation. Our proposal attempts to break free of some of the potential prejudices due to us being part of this one instantiation of life. 
says Bartlett. Um, they suggest four criteria to, criteria for loif. Well, let me tell you something about loif. All right. Uh-huh. <laughs> loif feeds on loif feeds <laughs> on loif. So Maynard from Tool already knew about this. He already yeah. knew about this situation and he wrote about it in the song Disgustipated on the Undertow album. So and uh, my but, mom my mom always said uh loif was like a box of chocolates. Cho- <laughs> Um, so here's the four criteria for loif Um, it draws on energy sources for its environment that keep it from becoming uniform and unchanging two it grows exponentially for example by replication three it can regulate itself to stay stable in a changing environment and four it learns and remembers information about that environment Darwinian evolution is an example of such learning over very long timescales. Genes preserve useful adaptations to particular circumstances. That's pretty interesting. So I think I think I think methamphetamine based life is will definitely fit into this because they're surprisingly adaptable. Um, They're changing all the time, yet remaining the same. Uh, And yeah, I think they'll they'll fit in in this new de- definition of loif. Oh, yeah. And, um, well, the two researchers say there are sub-loif systems that only meet some of these criteria and also perhaps super-loif that meets additional ones. Loif forms have capabilities beyond ours, and that might look on us as we do on complex but non-living processes such as crystal growth. Wait, I hope is that this crystal happened. methamphetamine. Uh, yeah, I'm sensing a pattern here. Oh no! Um, Hang on, just a second. Hope- I, gotta t- I gotta take another bite of meatloaf here. Just a second. <laughs> our uh, our hope is that this definition frees our imaginations enough to not miss loaf that might be hiding in plain sight. Says Bartlett. He and Wong suggest that some loiving it- organisms might use energy sources untapped here on Earth such as magnetic fields or kinetic energy, the energy of motion. There is no knowing, (laughs) there's no (laughs) life forms that directly harnesses kinetic energy into its metabolism, says. Hello, Gambit from the X-Men. Duh, (laughs) has no one heard of him? Yeah, those are mutants, so they're super loif. That's true. Um, But, um, (laughs) man, Bartlett says that the distinction between loif and non-loif might be hazy. Being a loif might be a matter of degree. After all, scientists already argue about whether viruses qualify, although no one doubts their ability to wreak havoc with life. Well, I will not loif, cheat, and steal or tolerate those who do. (laughs) Lots of – yeah. This is going to be a really punny episode, guys, so just (laughs) strap in. Um, so anyway, they just keep going on to that and they say, you know, you can look at the earth as a loif form. Yeah, I like that. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. I like that a lot. And it gets into the whole Gaia looking at life as a life form or, uh, the earth as a loif form and, um, far out, man. Yeah. So basically it's just a big article thinking about. You know, what is life, basically, and would we recognize another life form? What is life? 
Baby, I mean, don't hurt me. These are questions that Star Trek The Next Generation, at least, has addressed before. Oh, yeah. TNG was always on the forefront. Actually, just the original series was, too. But uh, Yeah, man. All right, real quick, who's your favorite captain, Star Trek? Um, probably... Well, I gotta go with John Luke, I guess. Yeah, me too, man. I was think I was thinking I was thinking Cisco or Janeway, perhaps, but uh, no, gotta go with the Jean Luc. Yeah, I heard Janeway is pretty cool though, but I never really watched the show, so I don't know. Yeah, I watched quite a few episodes. It was pretty awesome. She's a she's not to be reckoned. She's a force to be reckoned with. So. All right. Well, is that uh, is that it for the article, or is there is there still more on there? Uh, there's more. I kind of just want to get into it. I want to keep saying life loif too, but um. Yeah, I want to keep saying that. It makes me feel a loif to say it. But uh, anyway, yeah, I'll I'll include the link in the uh, show notes. You guys can go check it out if you're if you're interested. But uh, some interesting thoughts on there. And uh, no conclusive answers though. That's Excuse for sure. Um, all right. Well, I guess I'll dive in then, man. Um, uh, unlike the article that Grant just read where there are no conclusive answers, I think there are some pretty conclusive answers with this story I'm about to go over today, but I still think it's an interesting case because, uh, somewhat of a, um, a personal look at an individual, I guess you would call it a character study of a person. Uh, who firmly, firmly believes that she had a uh, an off-world encounter which cured her cancer. So, um, I for, without further ado, the, the story that um, I'm going to be talking about today is Lynn Plaskett. <coughs> Excuse me, Lynn Plaskett. That's P-L-A-S-K-E-T-T. Um I learned about this story uh, from an Unsolved Mysteries episode. I think it aired in, like, 97. Yeah, it looks like it was a 97 uh, episode. And I remember even back then, I was 15 or 16 years old at the time. And I was like, I don't know. Something seems kind of fishy about this. Uh, I don't really believe that there was an off-world craft involved in this. But at the same time... Um, it's very interesting to listen to this woman, uh, talk about how adamant she is, um, about what she says happened to her. So, um, again, this was from an episode of Unsolved Mysteries. It is not available on the, uh, Amazon Prime series or the, the Amazon Prime episodes. Uh, yeah, it is, however, available on a secret <laughs> Facebook group that i am a member of so if you guys are interested in uh watching the episode involving lynn plaskett please send us an email at a r e u f o r e a l podcast at gmail.com and uh i will do my best to get you invited to that facebook group so that you can see uh this episode for yourself um so here's a uh this is just kind of a a 
the good synopsis of the episode. This is from unsolvedmysteries.fandom.com. Um, <clears throat> so this story starts out in Long Beach, California, in 1975. Uh, there's a woman as i said her name is lynn plaskett and she was living in uh long beach she was 24 years old recently separated uh and raising a three-year-old kid on her own so she was a uh, single parent um she went into her doctor for a routine physical and i'm to, sorry when uh, i'm sorry if i missed it but when was this this is 1975 Okay. I might not have mentioned that. Yeah, this is 1975, Long Beach. Um, so she went into her doctor for a routine physical, and she was given the horrible information that she had a carcinoma in her uterus. And the doctor told her that uh, nice. there would be she'd need to have a hysterect- hysterectomy performed on her. Um, and so she was in uh, a pre pre surgical exam. Uh, her doctor discovered uh, another, well, a strange lump next to her neck, and he said, "You know, we're gonna have to take a biopsy of this." Um, next to her neck. Yeah, right, right, yeah. like uh, kind of the way it's depicted in the uh, episode is uh, almost on like her collarbone. There's a, okay. a lump. Uh, so the doctor took a biopsy of the growth on her neck at the same time of a the uterine biopsy. So. Um, one of those situations where the doctor's like, hey, got some good news, got some bad news for you. Uh, good news is after performing the biopsy on her uh, uterus, the doctors told her that they would no longer have to perform a hysterectomy. Uh, however, they told her that the lump on her mm-hmm. neck turned out to be uh, T-cell lymphoma, um, which uh, according to the episode is a, an extremely uh, rare form of cancer. And at the time, this is all according to Lynn, by the way. Her doctor refused to participate in the segment. So mm. all, all of the cancer information is coming from her. I think it's maybe a bit dubious as far as the t- statistics go, uh, given the fact that her doctor would not participate in it. But um, Lynn claims that uh, T-cell lymphoma is an extremely rare form of cancer. And at the time, there were only three known cases in the United States. Uh, all of the cases involved newborns who died within a year of the diagnosis. And her doctor just was kind of point blank with her and said, hey, I hate to tell you this, but you only have about three months left to live. And according to Lynn, the cancer had infiltrated basically every part of her body except for her stomach and her brain. And uh, the doctor said it was possible that those areas uh, would be affected as well. And so, um, according to Lynn, that afternoon, her doctor allowed her to leave the hospital, provided that she returned the next day. And uh, she got home. Uh, her house was empty. Uh, she said her sister had taken her son out for the day. And Lynn, according to Lynn, she just sat on her bed and just kind of let it all out. She started sobbing, and, and just the gravity of the situation um, just uh, – just kind of let itself out. Um, and so she started thinking about her son and she mentioned that, you know, um, her son would only remember that his mom left him because he was only three years old at the time. That was pretty heartbreaking to me mm-hmm. just to hear her say that. And, uh, 
so she was uh, laying down on the bed crying, and then, uh, well, strap in, Grant, because here we go. Uh, first thing she hears. Well, before that, we before we do this though, but okay. I gotta say, man, that I've always thought about that too. Like, what what would happen if you just went into your doctor, you had like an ache or something, and then you find out, okay, you're probably gonna die in the next year or something. Like, that'd be so hard to deal with. Oh, I don't know if, if you've ever had to deal with anything like that. But, no, uh, thankfully I haven't. And, and, you know, I think a lot of people don't go to the doctor because they don't want to hear something like that. It's right. sad. It's like a and – I, and I empathize with that. It's a um, – it's almost like a uh, – what do you call that? A, um, sorry, I'm, I'm drawing a blank here for words. Um a vicious circle, I guess, or a vicious cycle. Like you feel right. something aching. You don't want to get it checked out because you're afraid it's something bad. And so the longer you go without getting it checked out, uh, the worse it becomes. And that's, uh, I guess it's almost a, uh, is it, would that, would that be considered a catch 22? Like if you go get diagnosed right away, then you're going to have to deal with this. But then if you don't deal with it, then you're really going to have to deal with it later. I, don't I, know. I wouldn't call it a catch 22 because it's not like an unattainable goal. Or uh, something like that. I, I think it's just more of a. Uh, well, it's just, kind of like a you're darned if you do, you're darned if you don't, right? That's how I understand a catch twenty two. I, I guess yeah, that's more like yeah, it's unbeatable or unwinnable situation, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think of a catch twenty two as something where, um, you know, you need a to get hired at a job, you need experience, but in order to get experience, you need to get hired at the job. And so right, right. that's okay. that's more of a catch twenty two type thing as I understand it. But uh, I think Lynn had a, I mean, she did the right thing and went into her doctors. Um, and uh, well, <laughs> here we go. Uh, so she's laying there crying on her bed, and first she heard like an electrical, uh, it was like a buzzing or a, a zapping type sound, and then her, she said her window was open. Uh, and next, the room began to fill with a fog-like smoke. Uh, okay. And suddenly, she felt herself being levitated from the bed. Uh, she was essentially levitating in midair. And although she did not understand what was happening, she said it wasn't uh, – she wasn't scared. She said it was pleasant almost, and she was, she was mm. not frightened. And then through her window, her open window – uh, a small disc-shaped object entered the room, and she described it as having a raised portion on the top and multicolored lights. She said it was a, um, you know, disc-shaped kind of flying saucery, and right. it hovered over her, and then it went from her head to her feet. Uh, it never actually touched her, but she got the impression that it was examining her, or uh, I guess scanning her, in a way. Mm. And uh, after a few minutes, the object left the room, and she, uh, Lynn said that after this happened, she just rolled over and went to sleep. And when she woke up the next morning, she felt revived, I guess reinvigorated, um, and she was felt a renewed sense of purpose and felt like she was going to be fine. And so that same morning, she began a rigorous chemotherapy program. And it was a last desperate attempt to prolong her life, if only for a few months. And mm -hmm. uh, her doctor told her that even if she took uh, 
the rigorous chemotherapy, uh, she would not live to see her 26th birthday. And remember, she's 24 at the time. Uh, According to her, her doctor said that the effects from the drugs would make her bones so brittle that she would be a, quote, old woman in a young woman's body. And remarkably, uh, just four days after the treatment began, Lynn's doctor discovered that a malignant tumor, the the malignant tumor in her chest had drastically shrunk in size. Uh, mm. Four months later, she was in total remission, and she's been cancer-free ever since. And um, uh, she says that her doctor could provide no explanation for her remission other than her positive mental attitude throughout the ordeal. So she uh, – this happened in 1975 – And in Mm -hmm. 1981, she saw a TV show about UFOs, which featured a clip from the Mike Douglas show. And during the broadcast, she heard the sound of what was said to be an alien spacecraft. And then she kind of put two and two together and realized that the sound uh, was what she had heard when the UFO had uh, visited her in her room. So Mm -hmm. um, uh, I don't remember this from the episode, but it says on the – fandom page that she learned what had happened to her was a phenomenon known as celestial healing which is a healing from beyond the earth i didn't know there was an actual term for that um but she believes that the ufo is the reason why she is still alive today so um well what are your what are your original what are your what are your thoughts grant so far um when when did she start mentioning this ufo experience to people do you know if there's any record that she started talking about it right away or anything or i don't think she talked about it right away because um she didn't uh she didn't put two and two together until the the mike douglas program um but yeah, but that's still a, that's still but, quite an experience. Like even if yeah, well, well, cancer the, wasn't involved in like the room filled with smoke and a little flying saucer, like batteries not included thing flew well, in and scanned me. Well, I get the impression that she did tell her doctor immediately after, um, okay. or or at least after she went into remission, because uh, her doctor was like, "Hey, that's your positive mental attitude at work." Um, but uh, I don't think that. Um, yeah, I think she dressed she she must have addressed it with him. Uh, like I said, the the unsolved mysteries episode came out in '97. So uh, interesting tidbit. Uh, Can you imagine that conversation? She's like, "Hey, Doc, you ever <laughs> heard of a a silver disc flying in a room and just kind of like going up and down someone's body and they feel better afterwards?" <laughs> He's like, uh, "You know." Um, Whatever you do, you uh, yeah. <laughs> just get That's this. What chemo. I love about you, your your positive mental attitude. Right. <laughs> um, so that took place in Long Beach. Uh, she relocated to Florida, and she became a politician out there. And this is an article uh, from the Deseret News. Uh, it's D E S E R E T dot com. Uh, well, it. it and, Oh, sorry. I, I sure. still want to answer your question, though, because sure. Um, sure. I don't know. It's hard to know what to think about that. Right. Like. Um, there's not much to go on, like just a story that she told. That's kind of why I'm trying to fill in the details just to see how she reacted to it, to try and judge how realistic it is, I guess. I mean, 
it's, yeah. it's strange. I mean, uh, have you heard from like her family members? Did they mention her mentioning it or anything like that? Or, no, you know? um, no. So what, uh, her family members are only mentioned in passing in this and it's just her son. Um, because you know, she was separated and we don't hear from her parents or anything like that. Um, okay. but to me, and her son was three at the time, right? Right. Right. Okay. Um, to me, it sounds like a clear cut case of someone who has received horrible news. She gets overwhelmed. She falls asleep. She has a dream about a UFO and she feels she has almost, a, uh, an epiphany, uh, that she's going to be okay. And right. so she's just hell bent on surviving this thing. And that combined with aggressive chemotherapy treatment, uh, probably cured her. But this is, this is where I find, this is what I find to be the most interesting aspect mm-hmm. of this story and that she's a politician. And that was part of her, I don't think it, not, not her platform. She wasn't like, UFOs 1996 or anything like that but she uh she never shied away from this in fact she made it a part of her uh persona so here here's a um okay here's an article about it uh like i said it's uh, the deseret news uh, it's entitled politician says ufo cured her of cancer quote her story sounds like a headline from a supermarket tabloid space aliens cured me of cancer but Lynn Plaskett, now a member of the Volusia County Council, says that's exactly what happened to her 20 years ago. This was written in 1996. Um, Plaskett, 46, told a national TV audience Wednesday that a small hovering disc entered her bedroom in Long Beach, California, as she lay, <coughs> as she lay on her bed, crying because of a diagnosis that she had only three months to live because of T-cell lymphoma. And she basically reiterates the the story and uh then she says quote i knew it wasn't god and it wasn't of this earth plaskett told reporters quote that's why i consider it alien now she's worried about going public on the more she's worried about how going public on the maury povich show will affect her political career in new smyrna beach about 10 miles from daytona beach she is up for re-election for a second term her opponent, Jim Ward, said he's glad she was cured of cancer. Quote, if it's an alien encounter type thing, I'll let the voters decide whether it matters to them, Ward said. So it uh, turns out she did not get reelected. Uh, and uh, the, okay. the, I think going on Maury and that kind of stuff uh, probably uh, was detrimental to her political career. Um, but this, this brings me to my, my point here. She believed in it so strongly. Um, and she believed that this is what cured her cancer so strongly that she was willing to jeopardize her political career for it. And she did. And she went on mysteries in 97, uh, Maury Povich in 96. I was unable to track down the Maury Povich episode. I was looking feverishly for it on YouTube. Uh, but sadly, uh, I was unable to track it down. Uh, I mean, that could have just been a miscalculation on her part too, since she got so much positive feedback about the story and she thought it might actually help her, you know? And I, I believe that modern politicians, especially presidential kind of use the, the whole UFO revelation. Uh, what do you call that? 
uh, chestnut. They kind of hold it close to the yeah, uh, keeping it close to the vest. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I think uh, at the time wasn't wasn't it kind of famous that uh, Carter had had mentioned that he wanted yes. to try and like open that up. I mean that was early seventies, right? Seventy five or so. Um. Yeah, but, uh, he, he mentioned yeah. seeing a UFO, which was, uh, I think he's the first president to ever admit that. And um, mm-hmm. there's some other politicians who have who have mentioned um, being or having UFO experiences. Uh, I think it's Dennis Kucinich. Um, let me double check that though. Uh, yeah, so Dennis Kucinich uh, was a Democratic presidential candidate uh, in I think 2008 and. Uh, he, um, I guess he he didn't really discuss it too much, but he I, I think he at least admitted that he that he saw one, or uh, so th- that in itself didn't turn out so well for him. Uh, but I want to hear Obama's reaction to that. Like, <laughs> well, my colleague over here says he saw a little green man. That's fine. No, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, so she she believed in it uh, so strongly that uh, she jeopardized her career. And um, yeah, I yeah, I mean, it's one of those things where it's like, okay, I believe that this lady believes something happened to her, but it's such a an extraordinary story that without compelling proof, it's hard to think of it other as like wishful thinking or imagination or hallucination or some kind of psychological effect dealing with trauma and that that coincidentally the treatment just worked really well maybe it was did give her some hope because who knows that mind-body connection as far as healing and everything but um sure yeah the two are inseparable the mind-body connection or it's it's one and the same you know um yeah and if if she would have went in I, i was thinking about i mean there's a there's an obvious hole in the story here where she this thing flew in her window. I guess she had no screen on her window. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's uh, maybe that was more common in the seventies to not have any kind of screen. Like you just have like a straight up open window, but, um, in long beach, she better have bars on her window. Dude. But, yeah. Uh, no, I don't know. <laughs> but, um, it's so funny. Cause yeah, I realized it, it was making me think of batteries not included just cause it's a little like flying metallic disc. But then like, I think the movie cover, the box cover for that, or the movie poster had like a little it flying in the window, right? Um, Interesting. You familiar with that seen, movie? I've never seen Batteries Not Included. I remember. Uh, oh, I've never seen it either. I think I just saw the box at the uh, video store, but. Um, oh boy. The the other thing about this story is like maybe if there was a lot of stories like these that you've heard before, then it would be more. I'd be more apt to. Uh, to jump on board with it you know like alien abduction stories are pretty common and they have certain tropes but this one is almost entirely unique i haven't heard a lot of stories about alien abductions involving smoke or or right. moisture, right. you know the, um or maybe they were you. maybe the aliens were blowing some dank in there just to calm her down you know right, right. Doing, some, doing some alien bong loads out the out, out on the the curtilage blowing the smoke in there to calm her down. But yeah, I just looked up the, uh, the batteries not included and that it, 
you know, that came out apparently in 1987. So uh, hopefully uh, Lynn Plaskett is getting some uh, royalties <laughs> from that. Is that included? <laughs> right. I think that had to do with healing people too, but I might be getting it mixed up with Cocoon. Who knows? Um, but yeah, I mean, you don't hear a lot of story. Like maybe if that was a common trope, I'd be more apt to be like, okay, maybe, you know, since so many other people have come forward and talked about tiny craft coming in and, looking at them and then just leaving and they were fine after that but um well i mean there's that not just the open window but a how would what would the motivation for this alien culture be to cure her how would they know that she was uh she'd been diagnosed it's rather convenient that after her doctor tells her um about all this stuff uh the the ufo just kind of miraculously shows up uh on so um sorry i didn't mean to cut you off but are you implying that it's like a secret government program or something like that then grant you can read between the lines all you want i'll let you draw your own conclusions there (laughs) (laughs) okay i'm I'm picking up what you're putting down for sure yeah good good smell what i'm cooking yeah it's a little uh stinky if you will (laughs) that um that the doctor doesn't want to talk about it. Maybe he's the one sending out the leads to test this program. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. you're right. It is it is kind of convenient. I don't know it. And again, it's not something I want to disregard. I've had have had a friend tell me they've had the same experience. But you often hear that when um, someone loses somebody close to them, and then that night they will see like a a ghost basically, or like they see like a representation of that person or their face, or they talk to them, they hear something from them. Um, so maybe again, it's armchair psychology. I don't know anything about trauma or how human brains deal with trauma, but maybe it's something similar to that where, you know, they receive a message of hope or something that, or something that means something to them. I don't know. I don't, I don't want to put down anyone's experience or anything, you know, but, um, yeah, it seems, it seems kind of familiar to that. You know, and she was definitely dealing with some trauma or I don't know. On the other hand, it could have been a little extra, you know, otherworldly craft that came in and scanned and healed her. I don't know. Yeah, I I just think it's fascinating that she was like, dude, this this happened to me. I don't know if she was trying to to cash in on it somehow, but um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's not much. There's not, yeah, there's not much more to it that you could. It's not really a story you can cash in on too much, I don't think, because there's not much to it, you know, or or maybe you could, I don't know, but um, you're right. There's not a lot of indication from just what you've told me (laughs) that she was trying to exploit it in any way. It seemed like a personal experience that happened to her, so that is kind of odd. Although she was talking about it on the campaign trail and everything, but maybe that's just being honest. I don't know. Yeah, I think um. Another thing that that's, you know, the 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 doctor just wouldn't wouldn't comment on it. Her personal doctor, but um, the on the unsolved mysteries episode, they did get another uh, doctor. I don't know if he was from Johns Hopkins or what kind of uh, I forget who he was, but he he was a, a cancer expert, and he said, you know, it's. It's not uncommon that, uh, you know, the, these kinds of cancers respond favorably or they're very vulnerable to um, uh, 
chemotherapy, aggressive chemotherapy treatment. And so the fact that the uh, the cancer reduced significantly even after four days of treatment was not surprising to this doctor. So it sounds like there's okay. a very there's a very earthly explanation for this, but um, I think it, it says a lot about the power of the human mind to um, kind of just construct whatever narrative uh, you want. Like she's, she is absolutely convinced and no one's going to convince her otherwise that this happened to her. Uh, there was a quote, um, that she said where, um, uh, for people who don't believe no proof is sufficient and, um, the converse is true of the people who, who believe it. Well, so, this one, this one's tough because there is no real way to prove anything either way. Like it, it could just, um, I mean, yeah, I, I mean, how how are you going to prove that this experience happened to her? And the only proof the, is that the treatment that she was taking for the cancer actually worked really well. But what if these aliens actually just doubled down on her chemotherapy? What if they this 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 UFO actually gave her uh, radiation treatment without her even knowing it? Uh, maybe there's a way they could have if they like waved a Geiger counter over her or something, when she first made these claims of the, the alien stuff, maybe she could, uh, maybe they would say, Hey, you got, you're covered in all sorts of radiation right now. Uh, how does that happen to you? Uh, maybe it was just a, maybe they didn't even mean to treat her or anything. They were just checking her out. And then like, it was just like an, an effect, a side effect of their propulsion system. Cause you hear about radiation all the time with these craft, you know? Right. Yeah. So, um, you know, that's, uh, that's the story with, um, with Lynn, uh, God, what is her last name again? Sorry here. My computer just plasket. My computer just froze up on me there for a second. Um, yeah. So I don't, I don't, again, I don't think this was necessarily a, um, I don't think this is necessarily a mysterious case. I, I think the most, logical explanation is usually the best one and she had a i think she had a dream about a ufo coming in a room i think she was inspired by that dream it gave her positive mental attitude and she went in did everything she was supposed to with the chemo and she beat it and i'm happy that she did that's that's awesome uh, i just think there's a, a more earthly explanation for it yeah, it's it's strange. Yeah, like I said, it's it's hard to make any conclusions with that. It's an interesting story, you know. But um, I don't know. I don't know what to think. Was she like a religious person or anything? Do you know? Uh, I don't think so. She didn't. She didn't mention anything about that in the oh. episode. And uh, the uh, the articles that I found make no mention of her being a religious person. So, I mean, the, the only quote I have is uh, her saying, like, you know, it wasn't God. It wasn't uh, – uh, God, where was that? I'm sorry. My computer is giving me fits right now. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. It Arg. wasn't God. It wasn't um, on this from this world or something. Yeah, like so that. therefore it must have been alien. Yeah. So I, I apologize for my computer glitches going on right now. That's yeah, all good, man. Yeah. So well, uh, that is the story of Lynn Plaskett. Um, any final thoughts, Grant? <laughs> Not really. I could just keep saying the same things here. It's uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I the cynical, skeptical side of me 
wants to write it off as some kind of a hallucination having to do with trauma and then her treatment worked, you know, which is more in line with my life experience, I guess. I don't have a lot of experience with these kinds of things in general, but um, than a, you know, another worldly craft coming down and treating her and taking off. So <laughs> I'll bet her doctors are yeah. like, hey, man, like, you know, <laughs> medical science has come up with this amazing stuff called chemotherapy and you're trying to give credit to aliens here. Come on. Come on. Right, right. I mean, kind of. Um, yeah, maybe that's it, why the doctor was it, like, "Yeah, I'm not gonna give her a, a voice here." It it seems odd that it was um, that it was included on the show, though. Honestly, in the first place, like the unsolved mysteries, especially if they're experts coming in and saying, "Yeah, it's it's not really that mysterious." I mean, the treatment that they gave her worked. Yeah. You know? Well, I suspect that that's why uh, it didn't make it onto the um the the re-releases on amazon prime <laughs> they're probably like yeah right. uh in retrospect maybe we shouldn't have used uh our precious showtime for something that's uh probably solved right it's um yeah it comes across just more as like hearsay or something i don't know you know it's yeah it just comes back there's there's not really a lot to look at it's like either you believe her or you don't i guess I'd, I'd have to see an interview with her maybe or how she describes it but I'll try and find a link somehow um, to send to you guys. Um, and like I said, uh, if you guys are interested in, in checking it out, um, I can try and get if you out could, of this Facebook group. If we could find that Mori Povich clip, that would be pretty awesome. Yeah, no kidding. I looked for that, but no, that's a no go on the Po. <laughs> oh, on the mo- no go, no go on the Mopo. Mopo. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, no, that's an interesting story there, but um, yeah, it's not swaying me one way or the other, really. Unfortunately, um, see, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what to say. Yeah. Well, um, it's it's one of those ones that I've thought about over the years. I remember watching it when it first aired. I think it was on CBS, uh, and I was like, this doesn't pass the smell test with me. But nevertheless, it stuck with me. So I guess that says something about her story. Um, yeah. Does it have testimonial from her on? Yeah, she's like the main. Oh source, yeah, huh? she's the interviewer. Yeah, I mean the the interviewee. Sorry. Yeah, she's uh, um, she's the uh, just basically tells her whole story. Um, right. But yeah, I'll try and track down a link so you, so y'all can take a look at it. It's pretty uh, it's pretty interesting. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks. Yeah. Um, um, next week, or within, the, I know we've been getting a lot of um, show ideas, so I'm going to try and delve into that. Um, probably not going to be this week for a new show, but uh, I think it's going to be. I think bi-weekly is a safe bet, Grant. I think. Yeah. And earlier. At least for the time being, huh? Yeah. Um. Yeah, we got to find a we got we need a good subject. I think we've been doing a lot of kind of character studies and stuff. We need to find just a good old story about aliens, you know. Yeah. And uh, take a look at that. We need something compelling here. Yeah. I think so far. Yeah. And I we kind of made light of it. I was I was being a little goofy reading all the quotes from that news story on the last episode, but that it is a pretty bell uh, pretty big admission coming from the U.S. government that. Uh, Basically, they're tracking the military is tracking craft that they don't understand is sure basically what they're saying. I mean, that's 
that's pretty amazing. Even if it is just the Russians or, or Chinese have technology beyond our comprehension. I mean, that's, that's pretty big news, you know? Well, yeah. I mean, either way, especially if you, it's, I mean, especially if you couple that with the statement from that researcher about the, you know, some things involving materials that are not manufactured on this planet. But anyway, we don't, I guess we don't have to rehash that, but I, I, when I listened to the last episode, I was like, oh, I kind of glossed over this, but it is kind of a big deal, you know? Um, I mean, it has the potential to be, you know, forever change oh. our... Are you there? Yeah, you yeah. Okay? I mean, we... Oh, can you hear me? Um, yeah. Yeah, we said that since the beginning of this show, basically, like the second or third episode. I, well, after Lazar. Anyway, when we did the A-tip ones and the, the Tic Tac and we did those videos originally, I mean, it's... I don't know why I'm talking about it right now, but it's that's really compelling stuff, you know. But we need some more stuff like that, I think, with some I don't know. Yeah, well, I mean, within with my free time these next couple of weeks, I'm going to try and get a nice juicy one going for yeah. you guys. And as always, if you have any suggestions, please please send them our way. We're happy to accommodate as best we can. And um as always, we um we wish all of you the uh, the absolute very best during uh, during this absolute dumpster fire of a year, uh, <laughs> and um, yeah. hope all of you. I mean, it, it, I just saw something in the news today that there are cases of COVID spiking in um, Spain and uh, other parts of Europe, mainland Europe. So uh, hopefully our listeners out there are doing okay, and um, yeah. you know, hopefully our listeners here in California are. I hope your homes are safe and um, God, not only we don't just need uh, surgical masks. Now we need gas masks because it's uh, the air quality is horrible out here right now. So yeah, if, if your house isn't burning down, right. But, <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. But um, yeah, thanks everyone. Especially if you're listening this far, um, you know, follow us on Facebook. We want to get some some chats going on there and stuff. Follow us on Instagram. Although I've been slacking on that, I need to keep start posting stuff again. But uh, kind of drop the ball on that. And um, I'll, you know, always feel free to email us. We love uh, we love talking to you guys. Uh, it's areyouforrealpodcast at gmail dot com, spelled like the show is spelled, A R E U F O R E A L P O D C A S T at gmail normal spelling.com but um anyway thanks for listening guys we love you we love you thanks again Take care of yourselves and each and other. Each other.